Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio. Featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone, and this month's installment of A Course in Miracles with Robert Rosenthal, M.D. Today we'll be discussing the equivalency of giving and receiving as emphasized throughout A Course in Miracles. The first of the Holy Spirit's lessons is to have, give all to all. Yet this idea is so radically different from what we believe that all too often we misunderstand it, leading to an unnecessary and unhelpful sense of guilt and or acts of sacrifice. Suggested reading for today's segment is, in the text, chapter 4, section 3, paragraph 9, chapter 6, section 5, paragraph A.5 and B.3, and chapter 12, section 3, paragraph 1, as well as chapter 20, section 2, paragraph 2, and the workbook lessons, 108 and 344. And if you're new to the show, Dr. Bob has been a student of A Course in Miracles since before it was published. He was a close personal friend of Bill Thefford, Ph.D., who was the co-scribe of ACIM, and has served on the board of directors of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of the course, since 1992. He is a board-certified psychiatrist in private practice near Princeton, New Jersey, and the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit. The book interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perception of life's conditions. And Dr. Bob often offers additional commentary from the book. Visit FromPlaguesToMiracles.com to read excerpts and purchase From Plagues to Miracles. And if you have a question you would like to ask, you can join the conversation by dialing 347-934-0751. Press 1 and we'll take calls, if there are any, in the second half of the show. We do realize that some people like to sit with the information. Perhaps you would have a question you would like to ask at a later time. Maybe they need time to formulate in your mind. If so, you can submit your questions through the website at spiritualinsightsradio.com. And your questions can be addressed either on the air in a future segment or in the new Spiritual Insights digital magazine, which I hope to launch this summer. Don't miss other episodes with Dr. Bob and myself. Review the archives at the website, which are listed by category. And so, please join me in welcoming back to the show, Dr. Bob. How are you, my brother? 
I'm wonderful, Shar. How are you? I feel great. I, yeah, I feel me energized. Mhm. Mhm. Lots well, going how on. How perfect. How perfect for uh, taking on uh, an interesting, complex, and sometimes difficult topic. But before we launch into that, I just want to um, offer a clarification uh, in terms of your intro for me. Um, I've been on the board of the Foundation for Inner Peace since 1992, but the Foundation mm-hmm. for Inner Peace has existed since uh, be- since 1976 or 70 no 75. Mm-hmm. Um, when the first Xeroxed copies of uh, A Course in Miracles went out, followed, of course, in 1976 by the first hardbound uh, official printing of the course. Um, so that's my pedigree. <laughs> right. But, no, um, good, good clarification. Yeah, yeah. It just, uh, it, I know sometimes, you know, if you're listening, uh, things just kind of roll together, and I just wanted to make sure people were aware of that. Um, the Foundation for Inner Peace has been around a lot longer than the early 90s. Yes. So the topic for today is giving and receiving. And um, as you you know read in the intro, this is one of those um, ideas that pops up frequently and occasionally throughout A Course in Miracles and and and, and has a number of lessons devoted to it. Um, some sections in the text which we've referenced, but in my experience, both personal and um, as someone who's been in a lot of course groups, I think it's one of the more difficult to understand because it seems so darn um, paradoxical. What do you mean giving and receiving are the same? How can they be the same? Um, and like so much in A Course in Miracles, in fact, I would dare to say, like everything in A Course in Miracles, it is paradoxical because the world we live in is upside down and insane, and therefore when an idea is presented to us that actually represents some aspect of truth, sitting here in illusion, uh, uh, truth looks upside down and insane. So how does this apply to giving and receiving? Well, as as the Course says, and I think this is true whether we're looking through the lens of illusion or through the lens of truth, as the Course says, you can only give what you have. So if you don't have something, then obviously you can't give it away. Um, but to the ego, what this means is I have things, I have objects, I have money, um, and I can take those and I can give those to other people and of course, the moment I give it away, I no longer have it. You know, if I make a donation of $50 to a charity, that charity has the $50 and I no longer have it. If mm-hmm. I give my car to my daughter, boy, she'd love that. Um, then she has the car and I no longer have it. Uh, maybe I get to use it, but it's not technically mine. So in the ego's world, when we give something, we lose it. Um, In game theory, this is called a zero-sum game. If you add up uh, all the pieces, they always come to zero. What what, what someone else has and I don't have, you add it up, their plus, my minus, it equals zero. So nobody ever gets ahead in a zero-sum game. Um, In in a sense, everything that you give away, um, you know, takes something from you. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if we think about the ego's world... Um, 
even when we give from the loftiest motives, you know, pure altruism, at some level the ego is going to perceive this as a sacrifice. Um, let's look at Christianity as it's conventionally understood. You know, Jesus gave his life. He gave his life in the, through the worst possible suffering, the crucifixion. He made this sacrifice so that we could all have something, but he was deprived of his body in order to, to attain resurrection and you know, bring eternal life to everyone. So th this notion of sacrifice, it, it permeates the ego's world, and it underlies all of our notions of giving. So when the ego forms a relationship and it gives love, it's always with an expectation that it's going to get something back. And if, yeah, if if you really honestly um, scrutinize your mind and how it works, and, and it's not a pretty thing to do, your ego mind, that is, you will find that even in your most lofty, wonderful moments, there is just this little sense of, well, you know, it, if if I give her a gift, uh, you know, maybe she'll uh, scratch my back. If, if If I raise my kids right, I love them, but, you know, maybe they'll take care of me in my old age. We, we, we just pepper our world with this notion of, of giving equals lack, and maybe we get something back. And this is the best the ego can do, um, is, is kind of try to, you know, bind down the future and its fear and its fear of death and its fear of lack and loss um, with these, you know, covert secret bargains. But that is not obviously the world of spirit, the world of the Christ, because the ego's world is a world of form in which we give things, whereas the Holy Spirit understands that um, that things belong to the world of form. The world of form is projected out from our minds. It doesn't really exist. And that there is a real world, as the Course talks about it, and behind that there is eternal truth in which giving represents something very, very different. So one of the first concepts that A Course in Miracles introduces, and it makes sense on its own, but we don't like to extend it. One of the first concepts is ideas leave not their source. That is to say, if I have an idea... It is in my mind, and if I share it, I don't lose it. When I, I this show today, we're talking about giving and receiving. I, I, I've done you know a lot of uh, thinking about this. I've read A Course in Miracles. I'm sharing it with you. When I give it away, I'm not losing it. And in fact, to the extent that I'm offering it out there, I'm more confident in it. By sharing it with other people, the idea takes on um, more reality for more people. So in the world of the mind, giving not only doesn't cause a lack, giving actually causes a gain. And the Course takes this even further and says, this is in fact how you, me, all of us, were created by God. That God didn't as the Bible says, whip into being this world and on the sixth day uh, after all of the animals and light and dark and all of that other stuff, he decided, because uh, it is a he in the, New, in the Old Testament, um, the Hebrew Bible, he decided, great, let's throw um, Adam and Eve in there. No, 
the Course says God, who is a being of complete oneness, complete love, nothing else can exist within that oneness other than love, peace, joy, um, that that idea of God extended itself and became what the Course refers to as the Son of God. But it's not a son as we would think of it. It's, you know, the son of God is not separate in any way from, from the son of God's father. Um, the father and the son are one. Therefore, when God gives himself away, gives its God self away to create the son, there is no lack or loss in God. There's only gain. And the son gains by that. And when we follow that pattern and extend what we really are about, then we are also not losing anything. We are not making a sacrifice. We are gaining thereby. In fact, a number of times the Course says, the only way to know that you really have something, the only way to actually keep whatever you have, is to give it away. Now again, in the thinking of the world, this, this makes no sense. If I give it away, I don't have it. Um, but in the worldview of the Course, Yes, if you give it away, you have it. But there's, there's a further subtlety and another dis, um, discrimination that happens when we do this. If we give it away and we don't have it, then it's not real. Then it's not really something we ever had in the first place. And this is absolutely true of everything in the world of form and illusion. But um, the Course says, and this is in a number of the references that um, are on the, the the page on uh, the Spiritual Insights uh, you know, website and that Shah read at the beginning, that we confuse having and being. In the world of illusion, we believe that we can have something, but we are something else, that you know, what we are and what we have are different. You know, I am uh, a consciousness, but I have uh, you know, a, a phone in front of me. The Course is, no, these really aren't any different that to have something is to be it. And if we are something, then we have it, and that's the only way we have it. But again, this is discriminant, and it, it essentially says the only things that we can really have are what we are. Uh, therefore, the only things that we can give away are what we are. And the Course takes this a step further and says God gave you everything, and you could think of that as God gave you everything that's really real, because otherwise you sit there going, well, you know, God did not give me a Mercedes-Benz, and God did not give me that winning lottery ticket, uh, and God never gave me the girlfriend I wanted when I was 16 years old. No, 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 you're getting lost and wandering in the world of form again. God gave you everything that's real in your creation um, because God is everything. How can everything give less than everything? You know, it, it, it can't. Therefore, you already have everything, and it's only when you get lost and wander through this world of form that you delude yourself and believe that you don't have everything, and then you go into the ego's um, you know, crazy attempt to get things in order to give them, in order to get more, um, and giving and receiving become different things. The Course says to give and to receive are one in truth. Uh, and this takes us deeper into the, the Course's philosophy. Because once again, it doesn't make sense as, as the ego sees it. Giving and receiving, they're, they're completely the opposite. You give it, you, get, you lose it. You receive it, now you've got something that you didn't have before. However, 
that notion of giving and receiving is rooted in, 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 in the core belief that we are separate beings. So yeah, if I give something to Shar and I believe that she's completely separate from me, then I have lost it and she's gotten it. Uh, if she gives it to me, same thing. But if the course is correct, and I, for one, um, am absolutely confident that it is just from living it for all of these years, if the course is correct, then what it's saying is at the level of truth, at the level beyond the body, at the level of mind, we are all one in the same mind. This is not the ego mind that talks to you and, um, and, and, and tries to plan and chatters in your head and says you have this unique body and you really don't like it much, uh, but you can dress it up and put makeup on it. And, no, that, this is the one expansive mind, the consciousness that the Course calls the Son of God, the Christ mind. Um, that is the same in all of us. It has to be the same because it's, it, it is a oneness, just as God is a oneness. God imparted his, her, its oneness to God's son, God's children, God's child, and therefore we're all the same. So if we're all the same, how can one aspect of oneness give something to another aspect of oneness that it doesn't already have? So this flows very nicely into the Course's idea of forgiveness. Because what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the recognition that all of those um, projections from the ego that we put on each other and that we think keep us separate and different with our own unique agendas, that no, these don't exist. Um, it's only a oneness there. And when we recognize that and give forgiveness to someone else, we are necessarily receiving it for ourselves, because in recognizing the oneness of them and us, that there is no them, there is no us, in that mm -hmm. recognition, we also lose our own individual sense of, uh, of being a different separate person. Now, I know this, this, this can sound kind of complicated and uh, a little bit like a double talk, but if you really think it through, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, the same thing holds for what the Course calls Christ's vision. If I'm looking at my brother and I'm seeing there not a body, but just the light of the oneness of Christ, the oneness of the Son of God, the one Son of God, who is all of us, who is Jesus, who is Shar, who is me, who is your mother, who is the, uh, the, the person at the grocery store, um, if we're seeing that oneness with Christ's vision, then whatever we're giving to that person is also being given to us. Of course, um, this goes right to one of the cardinal principles of the Bible, love thy neighbor as thyself. Most mm -hmm. of us mishear that as, well, you should love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. The problem with that is when you really dig deep down, most of us don't love ourselves. Um, we, we find ourselves full of flaws. We can comp compensate with sort of a bogus sense of pride so that we don't have to look at, you know, just how bad and flawed we feel we are. Um, so the idea that, oh, love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself, it, it doesn't work that way. And it's not what it says. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is yourself. It would be more accurate to say love your neighbor because your neighbor is you. Um, we are all oneself. So once again, if we are giving, then we are necessarily at that deepest level receiving. 
this leads into uh, miracles. You know, if we have miracle-mindedness, if we recognize that we are part of that oneness, and as as such, as part of that oneness, we allow Holy Spirit to move through us, to speak through us, to to bring the love of God and God's Son into this world of illusion, then we are giving that to all of our brothers. Um, and as we give it, we are also receiving it. It makes sense of the non-local nature of miracles. What do I mean by that? Well, at the very beginning of the text, <clears throat> the Course makes clear that miracles can happen anywhere, that when you are in a state of miracle-mindedness, the Holy Spirit, that the, 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 the principle that is responsible for getting us out of this prison and enacting the atonement so that we are free, the Holy Spirit can take your miracle-mindedness, your sense of love and peace and oneness, and bring it to anyone, anywhere on the planet, who is ripe and ready to receive it. Now, that starts feeling like real woo-woo paranormal stuff, unless you, again, go back to the recognition that, oh, we're all one. If we're all one, if mind is all one, then of course Holy Spirit can take it wherever it's ready. In fact, Holy Spirit can't bring it anywhere else because if a mind is, if an individual ego mind is shut down and locked up in fear, it's not ready to receive it, and that miracle can't enter. You know, uh, so it can only go where it's going to be received, and the moment it's received, there is a joining, a connection between the peace the love in your mind and the peace, the love in that other seemingly other person's mind that brings us that much closer to our true oneness as the Christ, as, as the one son of God. Um, there's a section, and I think I put it in the, uh, in, in the readings where, um, where, where, where Jesus in the course um, talks about saying in the Bible you know, I, I told you to sell everything you had and give it to the poor. And he says, what I meant by that really is if you don't have any attachment to the things of this world, um, i.e. if you can sell them and give them away, um, then you are in a position to help those who believe that they are poor. Now, all poverty is is a sense of lack. We see that and interpret it purely in terms of money. You know, if you don't have money, you're poor. If you have money, oh, then you're rich. No, let me tell you, you can have plenty of money and still be extraordinarily impoverished because you still feel you lack. You know, maybe you think you lack love. Maybe you think you lack health. Um, whatever, maybe you are just terrified of the end of your life because no matter how much money you accumulate, your body's going to die Poverty is a state of mind, and so if we, in a sense, give away that which was never real in order to reinforce in ourselves that which we know is real and experience it at that level, then we're in a position to help other people who are impoverished by, one, not reinforcing their poverty by joining them in it, not reinforcing the fear of death, the sense of the body's frailty, um, the feeling of lack, uh, but rather knowing that, no, we are a oneness and that we allow ourselves to be danced by Holy Spirit 
um, because that is our joy, and that when we experience and express our joy, others will necessarily receive that as well. Maybe not in you know in the world as we see it. The body's eyes may never see all the people who receive your miracles. Doesn't matter. So giving and receiving, um, and, and I'll, I'll sort of wind up here and, and summate, is, is simply another way that the Holy Spirit helps us to learn that the world of seeming separation, of us and them, um, I get, you lose, you get, I lose, uh, of different bodies, the world that is the shattering of the oneness of the Son of God that never really happened, can't shatter oneness, but that we believe happened because we made it, that, that this world is unreal. And, and so if giving and receiving are one, that leads us right to um, our reality, just as the recognition of forgiveness um, leads us there, just as Christ's vision leads us there, leads us there. just as the, rec, um, the experience of the holy instant, that there's this one instant in which I am one, a part of everything, um, and time no longer exists, that also leads us to a very, very different sense of self that is, you know, our true self. So, Giving and receiving, another way um, for Holy Spirit to teach us the lesson that, you know, that we're nothing but oneness, that we're nothing but peace, that we're nothing but love, and that's what we should be giving. Um, to, to quote, uh, you know, one of my favorite course lessons, teach only love, for that is what you are. You know, mm. you can only give what you are, you can only teach what you are, you know, and that's why we're here, folks. So I, I hope that was clear. Um, as I said, I, I think it's it's kind of a, oh. So let's come back to what I um, what what you read at the beginning. The Holy Spirit's the, the first lesson of the Holy Spirit's um, curriculum: to have, give all to all. Now I'd say about the first five, six times, ten times that I read that. Some little part of me went real tight, you know, another one of those like, okay, here it is. I'm supposed to give away everything I have uh, and, you know, live in rags. And no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, you know, there's that ego resistance because the ego interprets it as God and the Holy Spirit are absolutely going to make sure you make a sacrifice. The only way to get to God is to sacrifice. Look what Jesus did. But in this understanding, what it's saying is, you only have it if you give it, and you could give away everything you have and, in fact, have given absolutely nothing to anyone. Or you can allow yourself to go through the world of form, earning money, doing whatever you want with it uh, to a certain point. Um, but if you are living to share love, to share peace, if you are giving all to all, because God gave you everything, and that's all you can give is are those qualities that are that are true, that are real, that are of God. Then you have it for yourself. So that's why it's it's the Holy Spirit's you know first lesson is, yeah, it takes us right back to fundamental reality. I am willing, you know, to give what is truly me. But when the ego looks at it. Man, you know, no, we don't want to give away everything. It doesn't make sense. I'll be left with nothing. And, you know, and that other guy who never deserved it in the first place has got it all now. Uh-uh, mm. not going to do it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it makes sense only if you understand that you're giving 
when you give all, that means you're giving what, only what's real. It's all you can give. Um, it's all that the Holy Spirit can give. All right. So um, let me pause here. Uh, Shar, uh, you know, if I was unclear in any place, feel free, please, to um, help clarify. If, if examples occurred to you, whatever, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'd love to hear what you think. Oh, my God. Thank you. And, no, it's always very clear to me. <laughs> um, but, yes, it does inspire ideas and different sections of the course and different statements that it makes to help solidify everything that you've said. So, you know, you always do a wonderful job. But, yes, I, I want to start. I kind of take notes as you go. So I'll do as I usually do and start from the beginning and wind my way through. And in Perfect. a few minutes, if, if anyone's listening um, without – what people can do is listen, and then if you have a question, press 1. If you change your mind, you can press 1 again. Um, but when you press 1, a question mark will show up on the console for me, so I know you have something to add. Otherwise, enjoy listening. So going back to the beginning, where the, the, the whole concept is that giving and receiving are the same, and you beautifully wove that. And I, I need to remind everybody that you know we do have – an obsession with loss and gain, like you were saying. Um, we have a, a terror of annihilation and uh, destitution. And everybody has this yearning, this deep yearning to the point of depression that they, that they think wealth will protect them from pain or loss or, or, or humiliation. And it cannot. That is not with, with things on this plane are designed to do and we have to remember energy is circular so yes what you give you receive and we can take two two the, a look at both sides of that if you extend love and forgiveness and acceptance that is what you offer yourself but if you extend or you think you're extending if what you project is fear jealousy um hatred uh, lack of lack of compassion. That is what you are also giving yourself, and you tighten the knot that is around you. So that is something to consider. What the Course also says is that there is no range. You, there cannot be a range. So if we look at a range from zero to 100, and you look at, well, this brother or this sister, maybe they need money, but maybe not. Maybe they just need compassion. We can't, We tend to set a limit. And put a, put that in a range, like, well, I can give this much, but if I give everything, I'll be exhausted, or whatever perceived repercussion you'll experience. But there is no order of difficulty. So to give one small moment of love and acceptance and see them through God's eyes, you've given them 100%. So there, there cannot be a distinction between how much you give and at what cost to you, like you were saying, you know, and with the loss and gain. Another good example to focus on when trying to absorb this into your consciousness is how we say, as we teach, we learn. As we go through these segments and, and you say something and then I say something, for each of us, it solidifies that understanding even deeper, having heard ourselves say it. And we take that even deeper into our heart because, as the Course says, communication then becomes communion. So what we're doing right now, Dr. Bob and I, is in effect communion because we're sharing information, ideas, knowledge, and peace 
with each other. So therefore, when we walk away from the segments, that is what we walk away with is inspiration, creative ideas, and peace. So this is the relay that's taking place energetically, even though as you were listening, you may think that giving is an extension outward, and it's not. It's circular. So we can picture it the way you want and just detach yourself from the idea of loss. And I always love when you talk about the zero-sum game, Dr. Bob, <laughs> because like you said, everything you give away takes something from you, and, and that perception need not be. So we need to switch that around. And you mentioned, yes, Jesus gave his life. He, he sacrificed his body. In the end, in that giving, he received the entire kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so we can certainly look at that. But we also received, all of us received an understanding that there are more, there's more to us than just the body. There is God. We are his thoughts. Exactly. And like you said, we can't be far from source. We are the ideas. We are his thoughts. So we're never far from him, and we cannot disconnect from him. We can only block it with a misperception and a reaction to a mess that we've created on this plane. With regard to sacrifice, the Course also says that sacrifice demands sacrifice. So even if in the front of your mind you're saying, oh, I'm going to do something nice, we've often said on the show, when you pull up in reaction to something that someone says or did, and your first thought is, after all I did for you, that that is the doorway through which you can go to find out what conditions you set unconsciously in whatever you gave that person, be it time or you raise them or money, as is, as was the case in the conversation I had today. Haha, someone um, gave a significant amount of money and was um, outraged at having only received a text message as thank you. He did not receive a phone call. And I'm just smiling. I didn't have time to go into it, and he's not a course follower, so I have to uh, mm. I have to, I ask for guidance, like, do I? No. Okay, I won't. I'm not going to go into that. But it's funny because today we're going to be talking about this. So I did very lightly, and I tried to keep it biblical because that is the, the um, language he subscribes to. So mm-hmm. I, I gave a little something, and he was like, yeah. I said, I said okay, you, you're, you get it. But, you know, like you said, with love, with the expectation of getting something back, sometimes it can be hidden from us. Sometimes we shine such a bright light on what we think are our intentions, but then at a later date we can sense that we lost something all of a sudden. Like, And, and then, like you said, bargaining. And I wrote a note with regard to what we offer our brothers and sisters. And you know that thing where they say what you don't like in others is what you don't like in yourself? Yes, yes, and it's very true. <laughs> it is very true. So let's use that as an example. Because look at look at a person, and it's mostly, I, I think the best examples are at work, in the workplace, um, and, and of course family. But, but let's just take a coworker, for example, someone that you don't really resonate with, and, and look at what you don't like about them. And it may seem obscure, but it really is a reflection of something in you that you want to disregard or disown or uh, or that you disapprove of. So we need, and we can't do that in today's context, but we need to take a look at that. But the antidote to this, which is basically a miscreated condition, in, in just to use coarse words, it's a miscreation and a condition that requires healing. And that healing can come 
in an instant, when you offer that person what you recognize as lacking in them, be it um, maturity or whatever bothers them, maybe they're too arrogant. You have to look at what's in you that you feel needs correction and offer them acceptance, forgiveness, healing. Maybe they need some self-awareness. Maybe they're just not that far along on their path. But when you offer that to them, albeit silently, you're offering that to yourself. And you, I'll say you will notice a change in the dynamic. Do you remember, I love the story about Dr. Thetford going into the office of a gentleman he didn't get along with, and he'd sit yes. in that chair every day while he read the paper, and they never spoke a word? Yes. And he, he gave that man companionship. And acceptance, and to the point where the one day he didn't do it, the guy came running. What what what, what happened? Why why weren't you in my office? He missed him. So even without a word, Doctor Pfeffer gave that man something they both needed, and it took that miracle between those two souls to accomplish that. But my final note is yes, we all have a sense of deserving and fairness as we grow up in this world, but it needs to be reiterated, reinforced, and, and repeated that life is not about fairness and it's not about deserving. It's what you allow. So when you block it with a sense of poverty consciousness, um, all of those things, uh, what were you saying, uh, poverty consciousness and jealousy will block it. When you envy what other, people's ha- what other people have, you're not getting any closer to that. You're solidifying your own denial and you cannot dismiss um, an obvious truth that what you have is what you've allowed to come through. So we all need to open our hearts and begin extending to others what we would have for ourselves. And we get closer to those earthly goals of the objects that will bring us comfort. But more so the goal that we, we give ourselves peace because that's what we extended to everyone we see as we see them through God's eyes. We are all his thoughts. And that's what I have, pretty much. Wonderful. And that gives me some, you know, thoughts to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. springboard from. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the the sense of loss and scarcity is is so inbred that it, 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 it is hard to see. Um you know, I dealt with this in From Plagues to Miracles <clears throat> in the in the section, uh, the chapter on mana, you know, mana from heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, we all, and I include myself in this, <clears throat> even though I absolutely know better, we all want a stockpile of money to fortify ourselves against all of the, um, the what 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 Ham, what Shakespeare and Hamlet called the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, all of the unknowns that can befall us. You know, we all want to know that we're completely bulletproofed and protected, and the more money we have, uh, obviously, the better we'll be protected. But that's not how spirit works. There is no future for spirit, just as there is no past. There's only the now present moment and the now present moment and the now present moment. Spirit can't provide for us in some future. It can only take care of us in the now. Um, the meaning of mana, uh, which which I went into in a lot more detail in, in From Plagues to Miracles, is exactly this. All you need is enough to get you through the day. 
Now, our egos always hear that from a place of deprivation because they go, well, what, just today? Well, you know, what about tomorrow? I mean, I I might be okay today, but, you know, tomorrow isn't going to work out. And yet, if you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God, Holy Spirit, will absolutely provide exactly what is needed in any given day, couldn't you rest easy? Couldn't you completely trust? Um, I've seen this play out in the Foundation for Inner Peace where, you know, we have a project that we need to, to, to do, a translation that's using up a ton of money, and, you know, you're watching the assets diminish and diminish, and there's kind of a sense of, well, you know, what are we going to do? No, there, there's no need for what are we going to do. In, inevitably, you know, someone comes through with a significant donation. Um, suddenly, um, a lot of books are selling in a new venue. You know, a Gary Renard comes along and, you know, and 300,000 more people, I'm making that number up, uh, by the course. Spirit knows how to bring in whatever is necessary for the atonement, for the healing of the separation, but can only do so in the present moment. So the real problem with our fixation on money as the solution to all of our ills is that it blinds us to what actually is there, to what actually does come through and shows up. Um, I think this is the real deep meaning of Jesus in the in the New Testament saying, you know, um, it's harder for a rich man to enter heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle, which I'm told the eye of the needle was actually a real mountain pass that was too narrow for a camel to get through. It's hmm. not that money is intrinsically bad or you shouldn't have it. Um, oh, you're rich, that's a terrible thing. Um, which actually our culture seems to have done a good job of losing anyway. Now, you know, if you're rich, it's a sign that God loves you and is showering riches on you. No, no, no. What, what, what the, 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 the eye of the needle and the camel <clears throat> is about is that if you put your faith in money, um, it's blinding you to receiving your daily bread. When something shows up in your life that you need, you go, oh, no, I made that happen because, you know, I'm rich enough to buy it rather than thank you spirit thank you god this is showing up because it's it's part of my path it's part of helping me teach it's part of you know my little piece of the atonement as the course would put it my special function in the atonement that only i can do and that of course god and the holy spirit will support me in to the nth degree but if you've transferred sort of the um uh you know the the, the gratitude to us oh, you know, thank you, God, for giving me all this money. You, you've missed the point. And, and so, again, money, money is just another aspect of the world of form. You know, just like our bodies, uh, you know, <clears throat> of course we need it. Uh, it, it, it. It's how we eat and get by. And, uh, you know, without money, I wouldn't have a, a headset to do this show and there wouldn't be an Internet and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Holy Spirit reverses everything to become a communication aid, a teaching aid. And so from the Holy Spirit's perspective, you know, we're only here to communicate love, to teach love. So I I think when we can come back to the notion of mana, that, you know, in the wilderness that is this world of illusion we live in, because there's nothing here that really feeds us or supports us, into this wilderness the Holy Spirit brings mana, um, brings, you know, whatever we need 
in the form uh, that we most need it. Uh, at the end of the uh, of lesson 186 in the course, Salvation of the World Depends on Me, and I am thumbing to it uh, at this very minute, um, the course states, you know, uh, let's see, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and God. He knows that you have everything already. He has thoughts, capital T, that is, they're anchored in the world of truth. He has thoughts which answer every need his son perceives, although he, God, Holy Spirit, sees them not. In other words, they don't, you know, Holy Spirit doesn't look in and say, you know, Bob Rosenthal could really use, you know, another $10,000 here, uh, da, da, da. No, um, God just simply knows that there's love, and they don't need to see whatever our specific need is, to go back to the Course in the quote, for love must give, and what is given in his name, in the name of God, takes on the form most useful in a world of form. Uh, this is the essence of mana. You know, whatever we need it to be, it is. Um, whatever we need for our special function to be fulfilled, that's what we're going to get. Uh, and the idea that we really need more actually just reinforces the world of form and illusion rather than the love that stands behind, um, you know, the, 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 the giving and the love of God. So I think that was one point I wanted to make. And then the other, um, you know, Shar, you were talking about what bugs us most in another person is usually, um, you know, what, what 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 we don't like in ourselves and have covered mm -hmm. over and therefore react we're reacting to it out there in um jungian psychology we we call this the shadow you know we we disavow our own shadow and project it out into the world and then rail against it out there you know the people who hate isis and the violence they're doing are the ones who want to go in there and destroy isis and you know and 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 punish them for the terrible things they've done well you know mm -hmm. violence is violence um you can project it out you can go to war with it you know the, the, but but it, it it's still violence mm -hmm. so we can try to figure out what someone else needs we can look inward Ultimately, though, whatever label we give it, whether it's jealousy, envy, shame, uh, false pride, it's all going to boil down to a lack of love. And mm. the Course makes very clear that as, as beings who believe that we're separated from God, the source of love, everything that we do, everything that we say, uh, every living, breathing moment of our life, we are either expressing love, or expressing a lack of love. If we are expressing love, or if one of our brothers is expressing love, then all that calls for is more love. You know, love created mm -hmm. me like itself. Teach only love, for that is what you are. Love which created me is what I am, and we could go on and on. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's a lack of love, and boy, is there ever, you know, just look around, uh, then the only proper healing response for a lack of love is to express love but we have to see it first as a lack of love and all too often we label it as something different you know that person's mean that person is out to get me that person doesn't understand um you know what spirituality is and uh i have to protect myself from them uh, mm -hmm. you know, i'm gonna 
Uh, but really, or if I can you, add something. Or yeah. if that person doesn't love me anymore, that person doesn't want to be married to me anymore. And what I think well, we that, do, th- there's value to every alliance that we make on this planet. There is value for each one. But sometimes we convince ourselves that the only value is the pain we feel in that moment. You know? Well, and we get attached to form, and we think that yeah. the form of marriage necessarily means love, uh, and therefore we're going to fight to keep the form, or we're so pissed off at the person that we're going to punish them by by destroying the form of marriage, and we'll show them we don't need them. Um, mm-hmm. And form does change. You know, we, I mean, in the manual for teachers, they talk about the different levels of learning, and that there is a level of learning where someone comes into our lives because for a period of time, there's a very um, well-balanced teaching learning situation. We can learn from them. They can learn from us. But um, I see this, you know, I do a lot of couples therapy. I see this all the time where someone has grown and they've literally grown out of the marriage. I've also seen it where someone has grown and their partner goes, wow, I really like where she is, where he is, I'd better get going. And they then start to grow along with them. But mm-hmm. if there's a, a, a disequilibrium and one person has grown and, and the other person hasn't, then, yeah, that marriage is a marriage of form only. And, you know, you you do let it go, um, not with any spite or rancor, but just because maybe that form no longer fits. But if we are offering love, in a sense... It's kind of the universal, um, you know, the universal solution for all that ails the world. Um, you know, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Mm-hmm. In any situation, if you are in doubt, if you don't know what's going on, if you're feeling attacked and your defensive hackles are going up, try to access love. If, if, if you know, the love of God feels way too abstract, Start to put together for yourself um, kind of a a list, a a slideshow, a photo album of the most loving times in your life where both you were receiving love and giving love. And I recommend that this not be romantic love because romantic love takes us in a whole different direction in terms of specialness and sacrifice. Um, You know, that could be another show. In fact, we've probably already done it in the past. Uh I'm talking about you know, moments where there was just pure giving, where someone you know reached out to you or you reached out to them, um, uh, the love of a parent for a child, the love that you may have had for your parents or for some relative who was just good to you, even though they didn't have to be. You know, create a whole catalog of that so that when you find yourself in an unloving moment, not knowing how to respond, you can go, you know what? I think I'd rather watch the slideshow of love and be brought into that experience, and then I can give that to whoever I'm around. Um, but don't try to force it down their throat, because that's not love. Just hold it for yourself and trust that they will take in as much as they can take in, which may not be very much, but you've already changed uh, the dynamic. You've changed the equation just by no longer resonating with their negative emotion. So uh, back to where I ended, you know, my uh, first talk, teach only love for that is what you are. If you teach it, you reinforce that it is who you are. If you know that it is who you are, then there really is nothing else that's worth teaching. You know, I sit in my office every day and I do psychotherapy. 
But I know at this point that that all I'm doing is teaching love. I'm realizing that everyone I sit with is, is, is a brother, a sister, and that however different those forms look and whatever I might offer in terms of understanding or ways of, of, of solving a problem in life, that that's almost just a cover story. It's, it, it's a Trojan horse that lets them take in the love of, of, of spirit, the love of oneness that I'm wanting to give because I want to be able to own it better for myself in, in, in more situations and more consistently. So when you run into something that really ticks you off in someone else, yes, recognize that, that that's in yourself. Um, to quote another course lesson, it can be but myself I crucify. Uh, and then bring love to it. Find love. Seek love somewhere, somehow, because anything else you do is just going to, you know, reinforce, um, you know, reinforce the sense of separation and lack. Uh, let me see. Anything else? Um, there, There is something. Let, let me know ahead. if you have something else, but there is something we'll need to clarify for the audience, Dr. Bob. Sure, go ahead. Oh, and that is uh, how the Course describes teaching. Uh, I don't want people to uh, kind of marry themselves to the idea that we're talking about like a classroom setting or an Thank argument yes. where we're going to teach, you know, teach them a lesson. This is not that. Teaching someone a lesson or fixing their wagon, you're really not doing them the favor you think you're doing. So what the Course describes as teaching, and you can expound on this, Dr. Bob, it can be a direct parent-child moment of discipline or compassion. What it's saying is that what you teach is what you think, feel, say, and do. This is what you teach others about you, about what you feel, about what you believe, that maybe this is a negative world. And then when you demonstrate through your behavior all of this negativity, you're, you're screaming your beliefs and you're screaming about your sense of self-worth. There's so many layers to this. But to teach... Yeah. Is what is how we treat others. How we treat others is what we teach others. Go ahead and grab that and run. Yeah, um, the course would say you are always teaching all the time, every moment of your life, and that there are only two curriculums you can teach: the curriculum of love or the curriculum of fear slash separation slash attack slash scarcity. All of those qualities uh, of the world of the ego that you know where where all of us uh, start out. But so when the Course says, you know, yeah, teach only love, it, it's essentially saying in every given moment, choose love, because when you choose it, you're teaching it. It, it really is the same thing as, you know, giving and re to give and to receive are one in truth. They're the same thing. Um, you know, uh, when you you can only teach what you know, you can only teach what you, and what you know is what you are, uh, as the Course would put it. So yes, that's a great clarification. No, this is not about, you know, get your soapbox out and stand on it and start lecturing to, um, to your children or to your parents uh, what they should be doing. Because you know what? Um, that's responding to lack of love with lack of love. Mm -hmm. And now there's no love in your world and there's no love in theirs. And great. Uh, let's see how that works out for you. Mm -hmm. um, you're much better off going into a room, getting quiet, and calling mm -hmm. forth those moments of love, or yeah. um, doing the kind of exercise that um, some of the course lessons, uh, Lesson 161, Lesson 121, um, Lesson 78, where you call forth in your mind someone 
who you really don't like realizing that this person is offering you perhaps the greatest gift, the gift of an opportunity for forgiveness in in the most blatantly um, crying out way. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> picture them and picture them, uh, you know, in suffused with light. Picture them as as loving. Picture them in a moment where where um, even though you may have never encountered them that way, they are vulnerable and tearful and receiving love from some source. Mm-hmm. You know, do whatever you can. But yeah, te- teach love uh, because because that is what you are. And when you do that, you reinforce the oneness between you and them, and and that's the way out of prison. Um, mm-hmm. That's the way out of the ego's uh, Egypt. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. per my book. Um, so thank you for clarifying that. You're welcome. And, and I love what you said. You know, go into your closet. Like he said, don't go don't go get up on your soapbox and start, you know, I don't know. People want to shout at the top of their lungs what they think they know. But the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yes. <laughs> you, you realize how much you don't understand. So we have to go at, at a pace that's, that's comfortable. But just keep in mind. As you look around you, and if you do have a, a practice of going quiet and, and allowing things to come up in your mind, um, and you you do want to become self-aware, and you look to the people you don't like, what an opportunity for self-awareness when you determine what button they're pressing in you. But just remember this. Everyone around you is just as scared as you are. So when we look yes. at them through God's eyes, with Christ's vision, with the compassion of the Holy Spirit, we see when we're in a conflict, a conflict, or conflicted or toxic situation, we see ourselves as the innocent victim, and they're the bad guy. We have to see that same innocence in them, and then your vision will elevate your perception to where you can get the answer you need to heal that alliance. Trust me, it'll shift. It'll either evolve or dissolve. There's, yes. it's that's the way it has to go. But it's a law of energy. Yes, yes, evolve or mm-hmm. dissolve. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I actually am going to write that down. I Are you going to steal it? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's you know, like... you're giving an idea, and now we're... Uh... <laughs> right. Well, well, Dr. Bob, you do dream interpretation as well. And what I say to yeah. my students and clients is, you know, when there's a repetitive dreams, variation on a theme, someone's having repeating nightmares. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, the one that's a shocker, it gets your attention because that's what it's designed to do. But then, as you learn... And, and kind of get the message, okay, they didn't get it this time. Let's shift a couple of these pieces around. All right, let's give it to them again. And they're shocked again, and it's like, oh, not this again. But look at what changed. And so, you know, speaking with yes. with musical terms, it's a variation on a theme. But as you get the message in the dream from higher self or soul or God or your whatever your angel is, you know, when you get that message and you start to incorporate that into your awareness, then the dream shifts until you get the message and it evolves and then eventually it dissolves and no more nightmares. Well, and thank you because that no is a perfect segue. We are living a dream. We are in a nightmare. And the best way to interpret dreams within this nightmare, the best way to interpret night dreams is to see all figures in the dream, no matter how scary, as representing some aspect of self. Mm -hmm. So they're all trying to tell you something. Well, 
if you if you extend that to the world at at large to the entire world of illusion you know we're living this dream we're living the ego's nightmare uh and we get countless opportunities over and over and over again to teach love to see love to awaken from the dream and we'll keep getting them um the very beginning of a course in miracles emphasizes that miracles are time-saving devices that mm-hmm. that the world of time has gone on a very 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 long time and will continue to go on a very 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 long time unless we take a more active role as as teachers of peace so so yes, as as you see the other figures in the dream as just other aspects of you, as you cultivate self-awareness, but let's capitalize the S in self, awareness of the greater self that is everyone, then you are learning forgiveness, teaching peace, and it will evolve and eventually dissolve. The Course says when we get to that point at which we have forgiven everyone, which literally just means we've recognized that that they're us. When we're using Christ's vision, we're, we're not seeing bodies, we're seeing the light of oneness uh, behind the body everywhere, then there's really no reason to stay here. There's no reason for the world to continue. Uh, you don't need forgiveness anymore at that point. You've done it, and at that point, it dissolves. You know, as the Course says, God himself takes the final step. There is no more barrier between you and oneness. Uh, And when I say you, I don't mean individual you. I mean collective you, all of us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the world, uh, you know, dissolves back into love. Now, even there, you know, our egos go, whoa, so God's going to kill us all to bring us back into love? Well, what a profound misunderstanding, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no death. I mean, you can't kill your. You can kill your body, and you'll find yourself in another dimensional reality, and you know, figuring out why things happened, and probably coming back here to do it all again. Uh, you know, you're incapable of destroying what God created as part of God. That's that. That's a confusion of the levels. Um, so no, when 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 God is going to dissolve the world in love, believe me. I mean. That, that's like saying, wow, I live in this horrible hovel where there's not anything to eat and I don't know what's going to happen and I'm cold and miserable every day and I've got sores all over my body and I'm aching in pain. And the king comes along and says, I want you to live in the palace. We will cure all your wounds. There will always be enough to eat. There will be beautiful music for you to sing. And you go, ooh, I don't know what, and give up my hovel? I mean, that's that's what the ego does uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in that situation. That's but yeah, our, our job. Yeah. <laughs> our that's job unfamiliar. Is Therefore, up. I am afraid because we're so yeah. used to the way we think and our emotional landscapes that to be at peace and to be self-aware and to actually embrace the idea of loving our enemies. Frightening. Yeah. It's very frightening. Because they're not. We have to see them as not enemies. They're just projections of self. Um, And we are afraid of change. The ego is always afraid of change. The Course says we're terrified of any kind of change because our first experience of change was the separation from God. Mm -hmm. So if our first experience of change was, oh, man, I went from a state of complete oneness and perfect love into you know, sort of waking up as a separate being, a body, uh, a separate consciousness, holy cow, what happened here, 
then we're and if that change then fractured into further um, layerings of change as the course describes uh, in the text in a wonderful section called the substitute reality at the beginning of I believe it's chapter 18 uh, and I offer these references just so that if you are a course student you can go and, and look at them they say it much better than I uh, ever could um, but you know if you've been at the end of this long cascade of separation and change, you think, oh man, any change is going to be for the worse. We don't understand that when we take that first step and give our lives to Holy Spirit, to God, to higher power in whatever way, shape, form, or image we conceptualize that, now we are reversing the, um, the descent into the nightmare and allowing Holy Spirit to begin piece by piece, um, relationship by relationship, to heal us, and, and now change is working in a positive direction. Now we not only don't need to fear change, we can go, wow, this is much better. I never could have believed this. I never could have figured this out on my own. Um, I've seen people in Course in Miracles groups and in my therapy, when they work through something internally, say, yeah, my stepfather, who's always been an eternal asshole and who I never thought would be okay, you know, he just came to me uh, and, you know, and, and apologized for something. Or, I mean, the outer world changes to match our inner sense of self. That is perhaps the most profound law of, of, of alchemy, of 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 your power, uh, you know, again, to quote a course lesson, you know, myself is ruler of the universe. Well, it is, but you don't change the universe to change yourself. That's getting it asked backwards. You change your sense of self, and then the universe can't help but follow. It's, as you said, it's, sure, it's divine law. Yeah. Um, but our goal is to wake up from the nightmare, uh, and the nightmare mm -hmm. will keep coming to us and give us infinite opportunities to do that. Because it has no choice. We're in a world that is a nightmare world. There's nothing to do but wake up. You can mm -hmm. keep dreaming infinite, infinite variations on the theme of nightmare, but eventually, you know, you realize there's got to be a better way, as uh, Bill said to Helen. Or as mm -hmm. the Course says, you know, tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually, everyone begins to realize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. Yes. You know, you can't solve illusion within the world of illusion. You can only solve illusion by bringing it to truth. And mm -hmm. I think on that note, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> we're, we're good. No, you got to bring it to light. I just want to come yeah. full circle and mention that with regard to, you know, changing the outside, like we said, if you want to change your life, you must first change your mind. First thing you need yeah. to work on, number one, is your relationship with your higher power because you're going to, you're going to deflect and you're going, you're going to project uh, misperceptions onto God, which do not belong on Him, you need to correct those. But that's that's a whole technique in and of itself. But the relationship with yourself is where we're going. And that ties in with what we were saying about money. Your relationship with yourself determines your outer experiences and the people that come to you that agreed to help you learn this lesson. You have to forgive them for being the one to make you learn this. Then <laughs> you can work on your relationship with money. Because, as, we, as we've been saying, it's not about deserving. Nobody's better than the other. If that were the case, good things wouldn't happen to bad people and bad things wouldn't happen to good people. It's what you believe about yourself. So you need to work on your relationship with yourself and then examine your relationship with money. 
when you open up, so does your heart center, and then those energies can come to you. You you will not. Let me let me give you a visual. What happens when you run after something? When you chase it, it runs away, right? Exactly. Whether it's a person, whether it's that Mercedes Benz we alluded to earlier, or that lottery ticket, you know, not the ticket, yeah. but the winnings. But when you chase <laughs> after something, it runs away. So you expend all this energy when the answer is to stand still and be still and summon it to you with love and acceptance and a sense of self-worth. This is how you draw in the partner that you need. This is how you draw in the funds that you need to enjoy freedom in your life. Money is a neutral source looking for direction. Make that target your heart and let it be open. Let it be peaceful and loving. Wish for others what you would wish for yourself and don't hold back. And you will see a change in yourself. You will see a change in the people in your immediate surroundings, at work, and even those wonderful random, quote, air quotes, those random occurrences where someone might just walk up to you after you've made a significant change in your perception and say something that is so startling, it's all the evidence mm-hmm. you need that you did it, you did it well and, and, and you did it right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Well, the prayer well, I selected. You. You're welcome. Thank you. See? Mm. Mutual admiration society here. We give thanks yes, to each exactly. other and we receive. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the prayer I selected today is from Lesson 344, as, as is in the recommended Wonderful. reading. So as I, yes. as I revisited with it, I said, oh, perfect. So I'm going to go with this. And uh, I've totally enjoyed this segment. And I'm looking forward to the next time you come on. And and yep. join us, Second ladies and gentlemen. Thursday for, in June. Mm-hmm. Second Thursday in June. I'm sure we'll have more to contribute. Again, don't forget you can send questions in. I know how it feels when maybe something hits you the right way. You kind of go into stillness. So naturally, you're not going to be you're not going to jump up to dial the phone, and that's fine. That's okay. But if you want to go to the website spiritualinsightsradio.com, you can submit a question um, on this topic and several others, or you can share your miracle moments. Uh, any type of great revelation, such as the moment you had enough and decided to get out of a toxic relationship. Share it. Help others with your sharing. And you can go to FromPlaguesToMiracles.com and send your questions to Dr. Bob with regard to A Course in Miracles or From Plagues to Miracles. If you are a student of A Course in Miracles or if you're not, I highly recommend you get From Plagues to Miracles. It's the perfect primer to all the uh, wonderful discussions that we have. So do do that. Anything to add, Bob, before I say the prayer? No, that that feels complete. I look forward to the prayer. Okay. Here we go. Lesson 344 from A Course in Miracles. Today I learned the law of love, that what I give my brother is my gift to me. This is your law, my father, not my own. I have not understood what giving means and thought to save what I desired for myself alone. And as I looked upon the treasure that I thought I had, I found an empty place where nothing ever was, or is, or will be. Who can share a dream? And what can an illusion offer me? Yet he whom I forgive will give me gifts beyond the worth of anything on earth. Let my forgiven brothers fill my store with heaven's treasures, which alone are real. Thus is the law of love fulfilled, and thus your son arises, and returns to you. Amen. Amen.
Until next time, God bless and be at peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.